Okay. Um, this is kind of a momentous night because this is the last, I think my last group coaching for room one, because it's coming to an end, as you all know, I think Kelly might have one more. I'm not sure. Um, but before I call on the first person who has her hand raised, um, I wanted to tell you about this really great podcast I listened to today. And it is Huberman Lab, my favorite. Um, and it's Dr. Robert Lustig, L-U-S-T-I-G, how sugar and processed food, processed foods impact your health. Um I mean, it was like going back to medical school for three hours. It was awesome and uh, really good scientific discussion about all kinds of things metabolism related. So whether you're interested in that for personal reasons or for patient patient care reasons, um, yeah, it was really, really good. Okay, so we have two people with raised hands and uh, I'll go ahead and get started now. The first person... Um, do you want to change your name? Um, maybe I can do it. Um. <laughs> okay, let me call on you and we will get going. All right. I just renamed you Stevia because all I've been thinking about is like sugar Artific alternatives. Or artificial sweeteners. Okay. I couldn't figure out. My Zoom changed. I can't change my name easily anymore. Yeah. No problem. What's going on? So I just wanted advice or thoughts on how to handle a situation of feeling where, um, my office, I'm not sure if the staff isn't trusting me or if I'm just not used to how they have typically handled things, but I'm in a relatively new position and they are doing things that I think are a little bit strange sometimes with patients. Um, like we had a patient who was a very difficult patient for, she had severe anxiety and it really complicated taking care of her and to the point where she would, you know, it, you know, it took quite a long time to get her out of the hospital. Once we finally did get her out of the hospital, if she was having a bad anxiety day, this might mean 10 or 15 phone calls to the clinic. And that's mm. not an exaggeration. Um, and so she would often, you know, if people didn't immediately call back, sort of get progressively amped up and more difficult and kind of more, um, emotional or upset as the day would go on with this and at one point she made a comment that she wanted like we had seen her for her post-operative care her condition was completely fixed by surgery she had a lot of chronic other health issues that obviously were not cured by a surgery that would you know had nothing to do with those and we were strongly encouraging her that she needed to follow up with the specialists who do manage those conditions for her and that that was really the best, you know, next step that we weren't going to manage, you know, her chronic constipation and her celiac disease and other things. Um, and so we had released her from clinic and 
she called and, you know, even then went to the ER because she didn't trust, you know, the 15 responses of phone calls. And, you know, she was observed overnight in the hospital again, the medical service and myself and one of my partners all saw her said, you're fine. You know, you're good. You need to follow up with your chronic medical team. And then I come to find out, like, after we've addressed all this, that the office had asked me a question and I gave an answer. And then they made her an appointment to see a PA in our clinic without telling me Mm. who then arranged a second opinion with another surgeon. And it's like, I don't even know what the second opinion would be for. And honestly, the surgeon called me today. This is how I kind of found out all this had happened (laughs) to be like, I don't even know why I'm seeing this person. Like, I'm just going to end up telling her the same thing you told her. And I said, sounds like it. And I apologize. I didn't even know this was going on. But it's sort of hard not to feel like the staff isn't trusting my assessment or my recommendations. And they didn't even ask me. Like, I would have seen the patient again had they asked me, um, even though her issues weren't surgical. But they didn't even call and ask me. And the other surgeon actually made a comment like, well, apparently we practice Burger King medicine. We just make appointments for patients because you know, they demand it, not because there's any reason to. And it's just hard to not feel like there's like an element of distrust or a was definite the, difference in communication pattern, I guess, that I'm used to. Yeah. Um, was the other surgeon in your group too, or a different group? In the same group, same specialty, you know, we're all general surgeons. Okay. Is there a world in which this PA was actually trying to help you? by diverting this person who sounds like more of a, um, you know, like high touch, high maintenance type of a person. I'm sure that she, I mean, I, I honestly wonder if the staff just said like, oh, this patient needs to be seen and she sees a lot of post-op patients. So I'm just like, yeah, added on not sort of knowing the backstory of everything. Mm -hmm. But it's just hard being a newer person to not feel like it's like they didn't even like I'm used to, I guess, having one nurse assigned to me and, you know, they're calling and texting about 87 things a day. And this is much more of a team because it's more of an acute care model. And I understand that. But then it's like we are, you know, we're supposed to see all of our post-op stuff and then or, you know, and follow up with all the patients we operate on. Um, But then they're like kind of randomly assigning patients other places or doing other things. And it's just trying not to feel like they're sort of undermining me or not trusting me, but I'm just not used to not being the one, I guess, spoken to about it. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there's room for more information in this particular instance, because that, of course, is going to be the first place our brain wants to go is like, they don't trust me or I did something wrong or what, you know, what does this have to do with me and the care that I delivered? But there are a few, there are a couple of other questions that like feel like gaps in the story to me. Like number one, how do they deal with, as a culture in this group, how do they deal with these patients that like call 15 times a day? Have they established some kind of a pattern where, yes, they just want to get them in, get them seen, provide the second opinion? Like, do they have a pathway for these patients? The second thing I'm thinking of is do they anticipate needing service recovery where, or like, 
I guess it's not yet a service recovery, but like try to head it off at the pass for somebody who could be potentially upset about something. Um, like, do you know enough about the new group's modus operandi to know what those things are in the group? I would say I don't know if they have a specific pathway in my general sense, just from how I've seen things handled is, you know, they have four or five nurses, but they aren't really assigned. They're assigned to the team. They're not assigned to a person. Yeah. So no people. And so unfortunately, it's like they're very good about calling patients back. But that means, you know, if you call 10 times, six or seven different people might call you back. Yeah. Um, so, and that definitely for a patient like this probably isn't the ideal scenario. So, I mean, that's definitely an opportunity to ask those questions. Like if we know it's a high maintenance patient, maybe assigning them to a specific person. And I would say my general sense kind of to the second question is that there may be overly service recovery focused, which I know was a thing, but like, like I got a piece of feedback that a patient was very upset that six months ago, literally my first day on call that I didn't do a second procedure during their emergency surgery for something completely unrelated <laughs> that the patient never brought up. How dare you? <laughs> never asked about, you know, it was like, why didn't you fix their hernia while you were taking out their appendix? And the answer was, I don't put a trocar there. I don't fix hernias during dirty kids. You know I mean? It was like, I would yeah. have explained my logic to the patient had they asked, but they didn't even ask at the time. And then apparently, I don't know if someone made a comment to them later, like, oh, they should have just fixed that while you were there. And then, you know, the head of the group is going, well, we all would have fixed it while we were there, which is not true because a lot of people don't even, you know, I mean, it was like, but like that it wasn't even spoken to. And then it was like, they're validating the patient without even having the story yeah, and trying to be like, oh, you should have done that differently. And it's like, I didn't even have the opportunity to do it in the first place, let alone do it, you know where you're like, I understand we want the patients to be happy, but we also like, and there has to be some logic or understanding of things or even asking the other side of the story. And um, that doesn't seem to, if the patient says that it's like, oh, we want them to be happy, like a hundred percent. And unfortunately, I just don't feel like that's a realistic or safe goal. You know, I'm not going to give people narcotics to ask for them and think, you know, but be, I, it's like me a little afraid, like if that's their expectation, that's going to be very hard to accomplish. Right. So now you have two separate instances, six months apart, that kind of have the same flavor. You know, yes. like we're accommodating a patient, maybe to the detriment of the patient. Um, Not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but there's, could you know, it, this actually could be an opportunity for you to determine what role you want to play or how, you know, involved you want to be in what is actually in service to the patient. And there may be like these two instances may be really good opportunities to bring up with other people to say, okay, like not pointing fingers or anything, but just saying like, here we have these two instances where X, Y, and Z occurred. And um, like learning a little bit about what the you know, what the protocols are or whatever, um, within your group, but then also like really determining what is their, um, 
what is their goal? Because if their goal is just to like not have bad Yelp scores, we all know that that's not necessarily going to translate into real like valuable service to the patient. I hope this is making sense in this like not verbal diarrhea, but all of this stuff has nothing to do with you and what you did. Like, especially now, like it's more of a, um, like how do you and your practice patterns fit into the overarching dynamic of the office? Yeah. And I guess I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that out and navigate that, that a little bit, I guess. And I, even though I'm one of the newer people, I'm taking like the most call in the group. Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, that was part of the, I mean, I understood that when I came that I was, they needed ACS coverage and that that's what a big bulk of the job was going to be, but it's just, they do it differently than I guess the other places I had been, how they cover and like how the patients switch and stuff. And they have a much bigger team of PA. So yeah, it's still trying to, navigate those waters and figure and I honestly like some of these like they bother me and my husband you know venting to him and he's like but if it's some crazy person that's driving you bananas like let yeah. it go it's okay like you know, like <laughs> let them go if they want to see somebody else like good for <clears throat> them so. exactly so what's going on with you that like um this is maybe a rhetorical question, but I'll pose it anyway. It's like, well, what's going on with you that that is not as accessible of a pathway? (laughs) It's like, we want to know that we did the right thing or, you know, the perfectionist part where you're like, but I did all the right thing. You know, you're like, why would they be unsatisfied? But, and it does feel like at times, like one, you know, when they gave the feedback before to me, you know, when they were talking about the other particular patient, like there is definitely, it's not as bad as other places I have been, but there is definitely some of the like, you know, oh, they said they didn't see the surgeon and it's like, you've seen them three times a day or they didn't see you in pre-op and it's like, they're marked, they're consented. I saw them. Yes. Yeah. Females, three doctors, you know? So, and that's just an experience that like even the most well-intentioned male colleagues like often don't get, they just of course don't see that that's what our day-to-day is. And so it's, it's just trying to, it's like, I've done all the right things. I'm jumping through all the hoops and feeling like they aren't seen. But I think that's just part of our reality. Yeah, I agree with you. And there are those um, fundamental inequalities that exist for women, you know, compared to men. Uh, and... um. I have also experienced kind of like getting bogged down by that. And then also asking myself, like, what do I want my standard to be? This isn't really um, as good of an example to talk about with what you're, what, with what you just shared with us, with the example from your um, PA sending for a second opinion, but it is an example with like communication where men get away, like quote unquote, get away with basically so much other stuff that women don't, women get called out on. Then I ask myself, well, yeah, it's true. You know, we, you can't throw a tantrum. You get called a bitch. You can't do this. You can't do that. But do I really want to be throwing a tantrum? Like, is that just because men do it and get away with it? Does that mean that's what we want our standard to be? And that's, that is a 
something that helps me a lot because I have a tendency, as I imagine many of us do, to get bogged down by the inequalities. And then I'm like, wait a second, I don't give a shit about the inequalities. All I really give a shit about is my own standard for how I'm going to take care of the patient. And it's just like an exercise to kind of get yourself out of the spin and back into your your line. Like what are your values and your virtues and your code of ethics for the way you want to take care of the patient? So using that, then with this example, it's like, yes, your brain wants to spin and be like, they don't trust me. What's going on? What, what went wrong here? Blah, blah, blah. But it's an opportunity to be like, oh, wait a second. I just abided by all of my own standards. And this was the end result. And this is completely independent of me. That's true. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's just another day, another another rep to execute, just another way to practice. Yes. Well, and there are some people that, you know, we we may fix one problem that they have, but we are not going to fix all the problems that they have. Exactly. And then at the end of, like, by the time you go through this mental exercise and at the end of it, it is kind of like, oh, phew. That was a near miss. Like, thank God she got a second opinion with another person. And maybe uh, whether or not this patient stays in your practice or with you or with the other patient, there's like a little bit of buffer. There's a little bit of space. There's a little bit of like, um, like <laughs> I use the word barnacle a lot. Like if the barnacle is attached to you, like maybe it's like just a little bit detached now. <laughs> was the whole thing about it is like we had released her from clinic like she does not have any acute surgical issues so that's why I was like why is she getting stuck onto anybody I guess that was the part where I'm like I don't understand like there again it's like comparing to like my previous jobs where it's like you know if we said yeah that's you know not our issue you need to go to somewhere else like it was never a problem that people were like oh my gosh well we should see them five more times and that's like but no that's not what we you know yeah. If we fix what's broken, I'm like, why are we trying to fix, you know, we are not going to fix her anxiety disorder and her celiac and everything else because mm-hmm. that is not our specialty. So then now, like when you say that and you reiterate it again and the tone of your voice is different and there's so much authority in the way you're saying it, it's like, oh, okay, now we can really see how maybe the actions of this PA are representative of some kind of attempt to um, please the patient in a way that's not necessarily in service to the patient, but in service to not having the patient be upset. And I think that probably is what it is. It's just, it'll take a little getting used to or. Yeah. Yeah. Does that feel well discussed? (laughs) It does for me. And I just had the uh, question in being your last coaching so mm-hmm. um is there are you going to be starting a different program or either of you guys yeah so moving question <laughs> kelly has her um she has a group thing for you know i don't really know the details of it but it's like has to do with the urological health and sexual health and things like that and i think it's up through her podcast Um, And then she also has like an exercise accountability um, program. I'll send out an email with details on these different things. But my vision is in 
process, it'll be kind of a, um, like using the six pillars of lifestyle medicine in delivering some education, some coaching and support around the six pillars of lifestyle medicine, specifically for women surgeons, which are nutrition, physical activity, uh, restorative sleep, reducing stress, uh, minimizing toxic exposures like tobacco, alcohol, other sort of toxic exposures, and then um, improving our social relationships. So those are those six pillars. And um, so it's going to be a lot of the same stuff, but under kind of in different categories. And the goal there is by January 1st, and it'll all be group stuff. And it'll be, um, my goal is to have it be like a dollar a day. So like $30 instead of 98 bucks. Hopefully to really encourage residents to get involved and make it widely accessible to a lot of people. So, but that we'll be sending out some um, emails. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Okay. So I will, um, let's see, disable talking for Stevia and then let's go to fermented shark. Oh, yay. I cannot wait. Tell us what's the next installment. Oh God, I want to stop talking about installments. <laughs> I just want it to all be over. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I, I just get a kick out name. of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so absurd. Yeah, um, I know. So <laughs> speaking of the word absurd, this is such a great word because you're right. It is absurd and it is this glaring Everything that you've been through and that you've shared generously with the group um, has just been like one giant glaring absurdity. And it, the, it being so absurd and you allowing us to kind of follow along is so important because it helps us recognize where absurdity occurs in our own lives. And anytime there's absurdity, there is, there is something going on there where you have an opportunity to get more power. So thank you. Anyway, go on. Um, I mean, a little bit of good news before I launch into the latest segment is um, I had another uh, talk with the director of the board, and it does sound like he's going to do what he can to help. Um, He did say the final decision is not up to him, but he is the one that advocates like for the surgeon. So I think it's finally occurring to him that, you know, I don't want it this way. And this is absurd and not my fault. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, um, current life plan is, um, take like a temporary job, um, that'll allow me to, you know, see my patients, meet my board requirements, but the things that are available right now, job wise are not great. So I just don't see them being like good long-term opportunities for me. And then, um, at the same time I'm interviewing for long-term opportunities, you know, like I was texting you about, um, and, um, what has come up is, you know, I have been so, so screwed over by this whole process. Um, I just found out I can't have health insurance for a few months um, because nobody from the office bothered to find out that once a group, like a practice, a business is shut down, you can't offer COBRA anymore. So there's no active plan. And Uh-oh. I just missed the deadline for the Affordable Care Act for January 1st. Um, and it took me 
confronting the senior surgeon at the hospital holiday party last week to like get an answer about this um because everybody was just ignoring me so you know obviously through this whole uh, situation I've been like screwed over and over but when I'm like talking to groups or like looking at my future I just can't help but like for some reason still avoid putting myself first um you know this this contract that this um group I'm joining is offering me is like pretty reasonable like given that they were not looking to hire and they've like agreed to take me on is this um, the business man the group that with the the head surgeons like a really good <laughs> businessman um no because every single person i have talked to including the mal the malpractice broker who does his malpractice told me not to take his job oh okay um, so it's a different opportunity <laughs> Yes, this is actually okay. with a non-surgeon. Um, oh. He's the head of the group. It's his group, and he has hired surgeons, but I, like part-time. But I am the first full-time surgeon he's hiring. Okay. Um, he's a good business person, but just with the business model, um, I just don't. I mean, it's going to be a huge pay cut, which I think that's what prompted the director of the board to say, "Okay, I'll help you," because I'm literally going to be making like family medicine money if I'm lucky, like joining this group. Mm -hmm. Um. So again, I appreciate the opportunity for now. He seems good. You know, I've heard good things about him. Um, I just don't know that it's like a good long-term place for a surgeon. Mm -hmm. um, and all I can think about when I'm negotiating the contracts, I'm pretty good at negotiating, but all I can think about is like, oh, well, in like six to nine months, I'm probably leaving. So like, I don't want to screw him over um, at the end or um, this malpractice broker, interestingly, does the malpractice for literally every group in my specialty in town except mm -hmm. for my old group which is presenting like a little bit of a conflict of interest where I'll convince them to like um like pay for my prior acts under malpractice coverage and he'll tell them no make her pay the difference right um like oh. when I first talked to him a few yeah it's very frustrating I actually asked him I was like who do you represent them or me he's like I represent them, but I will advocate for you to the underwriter because right now you have to get an underwriter to agree yeah. to cover you given like all that's happened. Um, but it's a little frustrating because they're saying, Oh, no one's ever, no one in town picks up prior acts and pays for it. It's like the surgeon always has to pay for it. I said, my group, I didn't even know this. Um, my group picked up my prior acts without even telling me, um, cause I actually didn't need them to. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've said, oh, well, you know, why would anybody do that? I said, well, if you really want a double fellowship trained surgeon, you will pay for them. Um, yeah. But then he's going and saying, no, you can cover the prior acts and it's going to change your premium and you should make her pay for it, um, which I obviously don't want to if I'm not getting paid very much. Mm -hmm. um, but then a few weeks ago, when I first talked to this broker, again, this is before I knew he did all the groups in town and that this was going to be the conflict of interest, he told me, you know, because he said, you can either pay the tail, I can get you a cheaper policy, or you can get your own individual policy, and I'll get you something cheaper than what the group had. But I didn't do it because I said, well, I'm interviewing with other groups. I don't want to make him like, do all this work only for me to say, sorry, I'm not going to take any of your plans. I'm going to go with another group. So and now I mean, it's it's still okay. Um, but now there's a little bit of a time crunch where because I didn't do some of that like paperwork and stuff now, we're kind of down to the wire. Um, the carrier, the new carriers like giving us a deadline for when I need to start and have everything in. Otherwise they won't cover me. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like, 
you didn't submit this paperwork because you didn't want to waste his time um, if you weren't going to end up like getting a policy through him. But then he's turned around and sort of screwed you financially. And like, you know, yes, this group that's offered me the contract is trying to help me. But, you know, why is it that I can't seem to focus on myself and like what I need in this time Mm. instead of just like worrying about everybody else and like how it's going to affect them? What do you think the answer to that question is? I don't know. I don't know if it's like a people pleasing thing, um, but it's really ridiculous considering how screwed I've been. I just need to do what I need to do best for me right now. Yeah, but let's just look at this maybe in National Geographic terms. Like (laughs) you have been through some bigger things, some of which we've talked about here and some of which we haven't. Mm -hmm. And now this would just be my guess, like the assessment based on knowing a bigger picture is that you are inadvertently trying to decrease your risk because you've experienced so many events where you have felt threatened or, um, you know, it's, it, it just boils back down to being in a trauma response. That would be my guess. How would like not doing my malpractice paperwork three weeks ago (laughs) um, represent like decreasing risk? Because the, it sounds like what you just described was that the reason for not doing it is because you were trying to not burden this broker in case you, so basically like you I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. So like, if I am, please say so. But this is what I'm guessing is that if you somewhere in the recesses of your brain are concerned about your safety with this broker who has a lot of influence among a very large population of surgeons in your area, and you don't want to piss this guy off and you are trying to play nice in the sandbox as it were. Um, I mean, I think it stands to reason that one might in um, inadvertently not try to put the guy out. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Um, when I first started talking to him though, I didn't know he did the insurance for all the groups in town. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until another group I was talking to who has come back and offered me $22 an hour as a non-revenue generating employee, to which I said, go F yourself. Um, (laughs) Are you insane? They came to me and said, oh, we talked to this guy. Uh, He does our our insurance and we understand you spoke to him and we are not going to cover your tail and we're not going to like pay the diff. We'll cover your prior acts, but we're not going to pay the difference. And Mm -hmm. that's when I realized, or that's when I found out that he does all the groups in town. He really represents them. And then now I'm sort of being like screwed financially. But when I first talked to him, I didn't know. I truly oh, felt okay. like, oh, I don't want to. Because I like hate when people waste my time. But people waste my time all the time. My time is like still being wasted by my old practice. <laughs> I don't work there anymore. Yeah. Um. So and then even with um, this group I'm going to join, um, you know, what I'm telling myself is, listen, again, they're doing what they can. And I appreciate them like trying to work with me and, 
get me stable somewhere. But at the same time, if they're not offering me something that's feasible long term, like, why should I feel bad if I'm going to leave in six or nine months or whenever I get, you know, the long term job? And so why should you? I don't know. And I'm trying to tell my because, you know, now I feel like, oh, there's all this like time crunch because I was too busy, like, accommodating other people and not looking after myself and I'm just not sure why because I still have that feeling of oh but the other person and like their feelings and their thoughts okay so then now we're just back to like the good old-fashioned the way women are socialized answer (laughs) yeah (laughs) and stevia has suggested that this broker is giving you the shaft and an old boys network you have to protect yourself right oh well that's actually a really good point (laughs) yeah um, the good news is with this new group I'm joining, the physician mm-hmm. actually told him first in an email, hey, we want to cover her like malpractice on her prior acts. Just let us know how much it is. Mm-hmm. So luckily he said something to the broker before the broker could go and say like, no, um, you know, you, she has to pay for it. He is making me pay for like the time in between the two jobs. But yeah. you know, I think that's reason. I think that's reasonable. Sure. So knowing what you... No, now, like if we kind of like just unpack a little bit of what's been going on for the past three weeks and you're questioning, like, why am I not, you know, just putting my own needs first? And so, you know, maybe there's a trauma response, maybe not. Maybe it's the way women are socialized to just make sure everybody is so happy and tidy. And maybe it's not, I don't know. But moving forward, what do you desire? I want to desire, I guess, guilt-free interactions or like guilt-free decision-making. Okay. So is that the feeling that you had when you were of like not doing the paperwork three weeks ago is you felt guilty because you were using his time, so to speak? Yeah. Um, you know, like, oh, I don't want to make him go through all this work to get me a policy if I'm probably going to sign with another job and ask them to, you know, retro my insurance date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what would you rather feel instead? Um, honestly, <laughs> I'd rather feel, I, I don't know if anybody on here watches The Real Housewives of, um, Beverly Hills but last season when Erica said I don't give a shit about anybody but me um Mm. I just feel like now is the time in life that I cannot give a crap about anybody but me and I honestly I want to feel like I'm comfortable doing that okay I like that um so and we all know what you're really saying, I think, is yeah. that like you you need to put yourself first because there are yeah. some serious things that are going on here and you have to prioritize your yourself in all of it mm-hmm. so that you can get through this, get your boards done, and then be home free to get the job of your dreams. Yeah. Um, so what is un- like um in your way? Like when you think that, like, because you came up with that phrase with a really good illustration of like a character. So, but what's in your way for just doing that? Uh, 
I guess, my own mind or my own feelings or thoughts about it. Or, you know, I mean, granted, I'm not someone who likes to screw over people routinely, but just like seeing how screwed I've been, it's not nice. You know, it's like, I don't want to do that to somebody else, but it's not like anyone's, it's not like anyone's doing me any, many favors right now. That's true. But this is a really interesting how you answered that question because it assumes a zero sum game. It assumes that if you don't give a shit about anybody, your, anybody but yourself, that that automatically means something's taken away from somebody else. And that is actually not mm. true. Hmm. Okay. So I like is, the way this sounds. <laughs> this is really fascinating. And I'm so happy that this is the direction it's gone because we do this all the time. We are conditioned about fairness. And we think that if mm-hmm. we are winning, somebody <laughs> else is losing. And that is not the way the world actually works. The way the world actually works is, is when you are in a position, mindset, your emotions behind it and in up in it, a way of being and showing up where you prioritize your own needs. It ends up being better for everybody. It is better for everybody. And I'm not saying like, don't give a shit about anybody to the extent of like, you're going to stomp on people. I mean, maybe you would, I don't know. Maybe you would stomp on people, but generally speaking, I think what, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I really don't want to misinterpret this Beverly Hills thing, because I don't watch that show. (laughs) And I have to start because I think that there's a way in which that can be interpreted as when you prioritize yourself, meaning you let all of your desires and everything that makes you you come to the surface. And it is like, you are being the youest you you can be and making sure that you have what you need of which one thing that's very important is malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to take the best care of your patients. You will be able to show up in a way that is so cooperative with the rest of your new group, you will be able to forge relationships. Like what if um, you end up staying somewhere in your town and you need yet another policy and this guy, cause he has a monopoly on things like, you know, he, you making sure you have what you need means he needs to rise up and be a better broker, which makes him better. So none of this is like, well, if I win, you lose. It's if I win, everybody wins. Yeah, that's a very interesting standpoint. I think, you know, like you said, we're always um, conditioned to say, well, if I win, you lose. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are some ways in which, like, I just rattled off some stuff, you know, based on my imagination. But like, if you prioritize your needs right now in, in this situation, what are ways in which not only you win, but everybody wins? Um, well, so I will say this broker is actually very knowledgeable. Like I would recommend him to other people minus the whole, like, you know, conflict of interest in my town. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the underwriter for the new group has agreed to cover me with like certain conditions, which I can meet no problem. But like, she agreed to do that because she knows him. And he said, listen, this is a really crappy situation. Um, you know, can you help us out? So like, you know, he is the reason I get the insurance um and then you know in the future i would maybe send people to him um but i think yeah um 
But I think even with the group that I would sign with, um, and again, it's, it's like barely fair, the contract. There's just some stuff I'm asking for that I almost feel bad about. Cause I'm like, well, I may not stay. Well, um, like what's an example? But, just one. Um, so, uh, so I asked if, um, when we, and the con, you know, like if there's a termination on either end, if we could split the malpractice tail 50 50. Mm-hmm. And he like immediately said yes. It's actually not in the contract. So I asked him to add it on, but he yeah. had like no problem with that. And I almost feel bad, like knowing that I'm going to leave. <laughs> so we're going to have to split it. Um, this guy's not an idiot though. No, he's actually a really good business person. Right? Yeah. So um, there's no reason to feel bad about that. Like, well, and, and like, you know, he's, he's not a surgeon. He may not actually realize like how much it is for me, like versus him, but I'm sure that the broker will tell him. And if he wants I, to change his mind, it. he can like come back and change my mind, change his mind. <laughs> yeah. But how does he win by, by helping to have a more fair contract? Like, cause the question was, what I'm trying to do here is not only for you, but for anybody who is in this situation where you're like, you know, if I put my needs first, that means other people are losing. And I'm trying to show example, an example of how when you put your needs first, it actually is better for other people. It's an act of service, actually. So yeah. how is he better off when you prioritize your own needs? Um, I think because then it kind of demonstrates that there's some trust on both ends. And then I feel like I can start working saying, hey, you know, I want to um, do the best I can here and maybe help them out the best I can, knowing that it's probably not long-term versus, um, like with that, that other surgeon who everyone told me to stay away from, I feel like the feeling would be, well, he's going to screw me over. So why should I try? Yeah. But for this guy in particular, if he is a good yeah. businessman, he's going to look at you as an, an investment and yeah, it will be good for him to have a high earning specialist in his group, whether or not you guys have the contracts for what you do now, maybe you do in the future. Maybe this actually doesn't suck long-term. Maybe there is a world in which this goes beyond nine months. And he's looking at it as like, this could be really good for my business. So I need to negotiate and be fair and do things right with this person because this could actually be good for us. Like, do you see how he could win? By offering you yeah. that? Yeah. Um, he was actually the former partner of another surgeon in town who I called when this all happened. Mm-hmm. And he actually said to me during my interview, he said, I see why so-and-so put you in touch with me. Like, you're so motivated. And if yeah. you're so motivated, I can teach you sort of my business ways and that can help you make money in the future. So I feel like he wants to be really collaborative. Um mm-hmm. So then I'm like, well, if it's short term, I kind of feel bad. But like you said, who knows? Maybe something will work out for long term. Yeah. Just the way this practice is set up, I'm really not sure. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to keep an open mind about it. Oh, my gosh. From where you're coming from, you could set up shop at the mall. <laughs> it would be no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but that's like one more thing. Like there could be something else this guy gets out of it, which is this business relationship, which is maybe a mentee. Mm. There are lots of things people can get out of it that are rich, that are really 
um, their value add things, you know? So anytime you guys are finding yourself in a situation where you think that putting yourself first is actually the thing that's going to hurt somebody, I want you to just take a look at that and question it. And then do an inquiry where you can get some facts. At least open your mind up to see how it's possible and probable that when you do what you really, really want, everybody wins. Yeah, I I like that. So I think I will look at it from this standpoint. Um, we're so, so close to signing the contract. Again, he's never had a full-time surgeon. So I'll just like bring up points to him. Like, Hey, how do I get reimbursed for my call patients? He's like, Oh, good question. Let me figure it out and get back to you. And he'll like get back to me within 24 hours. So I just want to like sign and be done. And then yeah. I have this part of life, like taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and get health insurance. I love that for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, just a question about the um, trauma response you were saying. So yeah. you were, so I, I'm, I, I see what you're saying. I just think that may not be the case here, but yeah. just like, I want, I may want to think about it a little more. So it's that people have had like a bad, you know, traumatic experience and then they're trying to not have that replicated. Is that what that process is? Yeah. So the four um, F's, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And it would be like a fawning and women fawn a lot. Oh, it's, it's people yeah. yeah. Um, Oh God, so many light bulbs are going off right now. <laughs> yeah. But it's good to know because it's not that it's not a bad thing. It's very elegant. I mean, the fact that we have these mechanisms in place to keep us alive just blows my mind day after day after day. And I think we just get in a trap of these responses and recognizing what it is your response, your go-to is, is really good. And then you, when you know that that's what you do, and again, we don't know if that's what's going on here, but um, when you recognize it, then you can say, oh, okay, there, there I go again with that super elegant survival mechanism. And now I know, okay, I'm actually not unsafe right here. And now I can be a little bit more um, intentional about the way I'm approaching this situation, which is exactly what we're doing, right? We're looking at it and we're saying, okay, if this thought, I don't give a shit about anybody from the Beverly Hills lady is like (laughs) something that really lights you up and it resonates with you. And then you're like, but that means that somebody else has to lose and I don't like that. And then, so then you go to the next step. Okay, well, is that really true? No, it isn't. What's really true is that if I do what I really, really want and I protect that and I just live like that, everybody gets better. Everybody wins. Yeah. Okay. Um, What do you say the four Fs were? Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Okay, so the last two, the freezing phone. Yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. Cause like I said, I'm a pretty good negotiator, but I've been like so hesitant to almost try with anyone. Cause like, oh, what if they like, take the contract away or something? And I feel like that's almost fawning. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. You're coming with a practice. Like 
they offered you a contract because they want the money. <laughs> right. So you just yeah. did it. You just did the exercise right now. It took you 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's such a great example. You're like, okay, here's the default. Here's my default response. But no, that's not actually what's going on. Here's what's actually going on. Here's the truth. The truth is, is that they want the money. I'm a highly trained, highly skilled person. I have all these things to bring. Of course, they should pay 50% of my uh, tail coverage when I leave. Like, of course. Yeah, because I mean, when he and I went over the numbers, he told me because he just started this practice on his own a couple years ago, and it's still like growing. He said, because I said, hey, you know, with some of these numbers, can we split them 50-50 to cover overhead? He said, well, if we just do 50-50, I don't make any profit. And this is still growing. And I said, okay, like, that's, that's fair, you know? So now that we're think- talking about it, I'm like, well, if you're making a profit, then you can pay half of my malpractice tail. <laughs> yeah. And maybe there are other opportunities, you know, a private practice is an interesting beast. And if we have any private practice people on, please chime in because there are all kinds of um, passive income streams available. Mm-hmm. Like investing in an MRI suite, investing in a surgery center, investing in um, physical therapy, investing in, you know, you name it. And uh, like there are a whole bunch of, well, at least for orthopedics uh, at the Kaiser place where I was doing some per diem work. Now, Kaiser's different because it's a gigantic um, system, right? But they were trying to get an alternative income stream for cash pay stuff like PRP and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that maybe, I don't know how um, scientific and database it is, but people are coming wanting these things that are cash-based things, like cosmetic things, Botox, um, yeah. pain stripping. Now I'm just making stuff up. But the point is, is that there are all these other ideas and ways to receive passive income. Um, and I'm not an expert in any of them, but if anybody else has something to say about it, it would be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously I believe in private practice. That's how I went from like hospital employed to my little physician private practice group that I joined. I feel like that mm-hmm. the physicians will retain their autonomy, but I am so scarred from this experience that mm-hmm. I, you know, I think some of it may be that I just am looking to the future of like a bigger stable group as opposed to yeah. this like one guy that has some part-time surgeons working with him. Yeah. Well, Um, well, we'll see. I mean, I've heard very good things about his business knowledge. So maybe I'll just be rolling in dough and don't have to think about that. (laughs) You never know. I know. But you know what will increase? You know what will actually increase the likelihood of you being rolling in dough? Is putting your own needs first. Yes. I promise you. Yeah. That I'm going to do that. that on. Yeah. Awesome. Thank okay. you for Mented yeah. Shark. Thank we you. We have about 10 more minutes. You're welcome. We have about 10 more minutes. So if anybody else would like to talk or um, Holly the Elf says, maybe you can help him grow bigger. That's exactly right. Can you imagine? I mean, surgeons make way more... Um, in collections than other than other um, subspecialties. So why wouldn't you want a surgeon bringing and getting those contracts with insurance companies and getting all that revenue? 
And then Fermented Shark says, yes, that is his goal. He has opened a bunch of offices. Wonderful. Um, okay, so does anybody else have anything to talk about? Here we go. Um, do you want to rename yourself? Now that you're a coach, do you care? Did you ever care? <laughs> do you want me to rename you? I don't know how to, I'll just do it just in case. Hang on just a second. Um, hold on. Okay. Hello. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Good. Um, I just um wanted to say thank you for I joined in late, but thank you for our, everything the last few years. It's um it's been very great. You're and welcome. All that you and Kelly have done for for female surgeons. Um I appreciate it a lot. It's our pleasure. And thank you. You participated a lot and you are now a certified life coach. Everybody. Awesome. <laughs> so I don't know if you want your name out there. Um, we can put it out if that's what you, oh, you said nah. Okay. Oh no, I don't care. I just, I meant nah, you don't need to rechange me because I wasn't going to coach on anything today. Yeah. Just, just other than um, sad that uh, this, this um, forum is is leaving. So, um, but I I'm wish you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the most luck and, and health and, and achievement and all the other things. Thank you so much. So as you're, you are board certified in lifestyle medicine, right? Yes. Yeah. So everybody, this is Lisa Hover. She is a general, do you care if I tell a little bit about your background? Oh yeah, that's fine. Okay. So Lisa is a <laughs> general surgeon who specializes in bariatric surgery in the Midwest, like outside of St. Louis area. She's awesome. <laughs> she has participated a lot in this group and actually went on to do coach training and is now a certified coach. So are you going to be starting your own practice, your own coaching <clears throat> practice? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so fun. Like we kind of get into it to help ourselves. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, everybody should know this stuff. Um, right. But, and like going through the coaching training, I've learned so much and I yeah. didn't think I would do that. And I thought it was going to be like this rubber stamp of, of, of uh, just getting certified. I, I guess I thought that was, but that was totally an incorrect thought. And yeah, I've learned a lot. So I'm glad. And so anyway, moving forward, I know you're board certified in lifestyle medicine too. So maybe you could come on the new group and um, if you want, be a guest collab. Yeah, that, that would be great. That'd be uh, awesome. Yeah. So thank you. Holly, the elf just raised her hand. I'm going to let her talk too. Yeah. What's up? Hey, this is also just a thanks, enjoyed the group, and um, just piggybacking on, like, how useful it is in multiple realms. Um, Good. I actually have found it super useful in dealing with my daughter and any of her, like, anxieties. It's amazing how, like, I find 
discussions that we've had like coming out of my mouth when I'm talking to her. Um, so like everybody can use these lessons, even a six-year-old child. Um, as I tell her, like, you can't change other people. You can only change yourself <laughs> and you can't force somebody to like you. Um, so just thanks for, you know, all the, all the time. You are um, And also, you know, I think on the one hand, it's sad to have it ending. On the other hand, I'm excited to kind of see how you guys are each like exploring kind of more into your individual niches. So I think that's really cool. So thank you. And there's, it's kind of funny. There's no like drama behind this coming to an end. Like Kelly and I absolutely adore each other. We're very good friends, but the taxes are terrible because we live in two States I live in California, which is like a pain in the ass for any LLC S corp type stuff. She lives in Washington, which is much, much better from a tax perspective, but we end up getting double taxed because you have to pay again for certain tax in California. And so it's really the business being untidy with the both of us being in two different States. And so we're just kind of like, we're coming to the end of a fiscal year. I think we need to knock it off. (laughs) Yeah, but you'll be able to find us elsewhere yeah doing the same thing i feel you because i i pay new york and new jersey taxes so i understand a little of that (laughs) oh my gosh i can understand that i'm a little crazy but you know yeah so but i also think it's cool that you guys can even like delve further into like your sub area of expertise i think that's cool so that will be cool thank you so much yeah wonderful all right guys thank you um that takes us to the end so i love you so so much and hopefully we'll catch you on the flip side all righty happy holidays you too yep bye bye